Statins play a critical role in reducing the risk of cardiovascular disease. Not only are the benefits greatly appreciated by both physicians and patients, the majority of statins are well tolerated. Despite this, many patients seem to discontinue statin therapy. For this reason, the National Lipid Association embarked on a study that used internet surveys to determine why patients discontinued their statins. The study was called the Usage Study, and today we're going to talk about the results of those trials. You're listening to ReachMD, and this is Lipid Illumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association. I'm Dr. Alan Brown, your host. With me today is Dr. Jerome D. Cohen, Emeritus Professor of Internal Medicine at the Division of Cardiology at St. Louis University School of Medicine. And Dr. Cohen is also the Director of Preventative Cardiology at the St. Louis University Health Sciences Center. Jerry, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you, Ellen. It's my uh, privilege to uh, join you today. So tell, why don't you tell our listeners what exactly the usage study was with a little bit about the background of how it came about and, and then what the acronym stands for. Sure, sure. Uh, let me start with the acronym. Usage is uh, the acronym that uh, stands for Understanding Statin Use in America and Gaps in Patient Education. Um, and uh, this is a survey um, that was conducted uh, on more than 10,100 uh, participants. Um, this was an online survey, um, and the results were just published last month in the Journal of Clinical Lipidology. Um, and I'm pleased to um, report the uh, results to your audience uh, today. The background of the usage study is what you alluded to, that we have a wonderful drug, uh, this is the 25th anniversary of the uh, approval, the FDA approval of the very first statin, which was uh, Mevacor, uh, in 1987. And uh, it's arguably the most important uh, drug that we have in our cardiovascular drug armamentarium. Um, and um, it has been clearly shown in, in multiple clinical trials to reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease, uh, particularly in high-risk patients, but also in lower-risk patients. It's also been shown to slow the rate of uh, progression of atherosclerosis. And so it really is a, an amazing drug, uh, and all of us in cardiovascular disease uh, appreciate that, as well as I think the patients who are on the drug. But uh, there are problems. Um, in the NHANE survey of 2005 to 8, um, about 25% of Americans over the age of, of 45 were taking statins or reported taking statins which is a pretty high number. Uh, I don't have data comparing it to other drugs, but it's one of the most commonly prescribed drugs in that age group. Uh, of this group, about 78% had achieved goal. Um, so that's kind of the good news side. The bad news side is there is an estimated 71 million me Americans who are candidates for lipid-lowering therapy because their LDL is uh, above um, what we would consider uh, um, the goal, the ATPC goal. Um, and so what we would uh, like is that we get the bulk of these patients treated because only 34 million of them are on um, um, lipid-lowering therapy. <clears throat> so there are gaps in patients who are not be being treated who should be. And then the gap that we're going to talk mostly about now is the gap of patients who have been on statins who have not been taking their statin either in compliance with medication or they've completely discontinued. 
So this is a significant uh, part of the problem, and all of those who deal in um, treating patients uh, with statin therapy recognize that maintenance of therapy is really critical. We have this wonderful drug, and the drug is of no value if a patient doesn't take it. Yeah, so let me ask you, Jerry, then the usage study wasn't just to look at how many people should be on therapy and are not. It, didn't it specifically target people who were suppo- who had had a prescription but who weren't taking their medication? That's correct. Um, we had these 10,000-plus patients who the qualifications for getting into the usage uh, study, the survey, was the following. You had to be 18 years of age. You had to have... Um, a history of being told of high cholesterol by your physician, a prescription given to you and filled by you so that you either were currently taking a statin or are a former statin user. So all of the participants, the 10,000 plus participants, are either taking statin currently or have been taking it in the past and are no longer taking it. So the goal of putting this study together was for you to get a better feeling for if people stopped it, why did they stop it? And Exactly. We, w- the goal was to understand the profile of who the statin patient users are um, and understand, see if patients understand what their lipid goals are and what their attitudes and concerns are with regard to that. And about side effects. Uh, we we're interested in side effects because, as we'll talk about, that's probably the most important thing that patients complain about um, and this is important for the healthcare providers to understand and recognize so we can deal with it in a proactive way and uh, not have our patients discontinue the drug needlessly. Yeah, so when my patients ask me, doctor, what's the most common side effect of statin therapy, I tell them longevity. That's right. <laughs> That's a good answer. But before we get into that a little bit, because I'm very interested in the results of the trial, uh, just a few questions about the study design. Since it was an online survey, how could you be sure that you didn't have a, a selection bias of people who had particularly strong feelings about their statins in terms of who answered the survey online? And Can you walk us through a little bit? I know yeah, you, got, you guys did a lot of work on that. Clearly, one of the limitations, these are all online users. This was a, a survey conducted. It was about 80 questions, um, and it was done by via Internet. Um, and um, it was conducted for us by a group called Cantor Health. Um, and uh, they um, had put together a survey. Um, uh, actually, we, the authors of the study, put together the survey, and they put it online. And um, the respondents um, indicated what their age was, whether it had been prescribed a statin in the past, and so on. Um, all of the data are self-reported. Um, so we can't be certain about the veracity, but we know from prior studies that self-reported data of this magnitude anonymously given is usually pretty accurate. Um, it is not a representative sample of the United States by any means. Um, as you'll see when I tell you what the demographic background is, it, it, it's skewed a little bit uh, in terms of income and race and um, um, a little bit even in gender. Um, but it still gives us very meaningful data that really are um, consistent with other studies that make us think that these results are very valid. So how did you identify people to participate in the survey? And, uh, and then we'll get to the results. 
the um, survey was conducted by an online uh, survey um, a team that um, has a panel of uh, individuals around the country. It took us about a month, a little over a month, to get these 10,000-plus responses. Um, and then it was tabulated and organized for us by uh, statisticians, and um, we were able to look at the data uh, in that way. So these are Internet users who agreed to, um, to join in the survey. Um, for joining in the survey, uh, they did get a, 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 no, a number of points, which could be uh, used to, um, to buy a promotion of some sort or to, um, to uh, get uh, exchange for some small gift. But the order of magnitude of this is less than a dollar or less than two dollars. So it wasn't a monetary thing that drove these patients. For those just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Alan Brown. And today, I'm speaking with our guest, Dr. Jerome Cohen, who's the Director of Preventative Cardiology at St. Louis University Health Sciences Center. Dr. Cohen is talking to us about an intriguing trial that was done uh, as an online survey called the Usage Study. And the, the goals of the study were to assess the reasons why patients either are or are not compliant with their statin therapy. So, Jerry, we've teased everybody with... How, how you got the data, and uh, let's talk a little bit about the results. Okay, let me, let me describe the population for you. Um, there were about 60% women, um, and 92% were Caucasian. So this is a limitation because we, we can't generalize the data to other, uh, other groups. The mean age uh, was 61 years. Uh, the mean BMI, body mass index, was about 26, and this, again, is self-reported. Uh, the household income of this group was about um, $45,000. This was the median household income, which is a little bit above um, the median of the U.S. population. So they're slightly more um, uh, economically well-off. Uh, the majority of them, and this is one of the important uh, conditions, had comorbid conditions, again, self-reported beyond the high cholesterol. Two-thirds said they were hypertensive. 50% said they were overweight or obese, and 28% reported diabetes. 11% reported a prior coronary event. So if people think about their own practice situations, I think they'll see that this is a pattern that really typifies their practice, that the patients that they see with elevated cholesterols are typically um, patients who have these comorbid conditions, either preexisting disease or these other risk factors. Among the respondents, about 94% knew their initial to total cholesterol level when it was initially diagnosed. And on average, that was uh, about five or six years prior to the survey. Um, but ironically, although 94% knew their initial level, only, only uh, uh, less than half, about 46%, knew their most recent total cholesterol or LDL. So they knew what it was when they were started on therapy, but many of them uh, didn't have the follow-up information or didn't recall the follow-up information. Um, and so um, I think this, too, uh, ends up being uh, one of our important findings. Um, we um, looked at the reason. Uh, of those who responded to the survey, about 88% were current statin users. Um, and we were able to examine differences between those 
1,200 people who discontinued the statin and were no longer taking it versus those who continued therapy. Um, and so uh, among those who discontinued therapy, uh, 53% indicated they were dissatisfied with their last statin that was given to them. Um, and 35% indicated they're not satisfied with the treatment information that was provided by their um, by their source, usually a physician. Um, about 50% um, indicated that they had been on more than one statin. The average, in fact, of those who stopped taking statins, the average number of statins they tried was two. Um, and the most common reason that people discontinued permanently their statin therapy was for um, self-reported side effects, 62% discontinued for that reason, and of that 62%, nearly 90% indicated it was muscle pain or weakness. Um, this compares, so this is a, a large percentage, and it's not surprising to, to most of us. Uh, cost was the second most likely reason for stopping medication, and that was indicated by 17% of those who stopped. And the final cause that um, people indicated with some degree of um, frequency was the lack of efficacy of the drug they were taking, which was 12%. So there were the big three reasons. Side effects overwhelmingly, number one, as uh, a reason for stopping. Cost, number two, at 17%, and lack of cholesterol lowering um, at 12%. So, Jerry, let me ask you a couple questions here in the few minutes that we have left. You mentioned that uh, that many of the patients didn't know their follow-up lipids on treatment. Did you look to see if that was a predictor of whether they would stop their drug? In other words, were the patients who uh, didn't get their follow-up labs more likely to quit because they didn't realize the benefit of their therapy? Yes, uh, that's a good question, and the answer is yes. Um, they seem to be more dissatisfied. Um, they stopped it for that reason um, as related also to potential side effects where they're, if they're looking for a reason to report, sometimes we think that these patients would indicate side effects. And it's interesting because of those who stopped, more of them use the Internet for information and, um, as compared to those who continued therapy. And the Internet is a double-edged sword. Uh, we all know that people control the Internet and find uh, points of view that might favor their own biased uh, position. So if they're looking for a reason to stop the drug uh, because they think the myopathy is statin-related, they can find something on the Internet to support that viewpoint. Yeah, that's very interesting. Okay, so and to wrap up, tell us what you think we are going to do with this data now that we have... Uh, the impression I get from listening to your presentation is, number one, it's important for patients to know the efficacy by the physician spending time to go over their results on treatment. It's important for them to have an open conversation regarding side effects, not on the Internet, but with their physician. And the 35% who felt they didn't have enough information need to get more information. So uh, what are your thoughts in terms of how we're going to treat people in the future in the couple minutes that we have left? Well, I think for those who um, are in the audience listening, uh, one thing we can do is better communication. Um, and this is important. Let me just add another statistic. Of those who stopped, one-third indicated they did not tell their health care provider that they'd stopped the drug. 
So something right there tells you straight away, because if I have a patient who's thinking about stopping the drug, the first thing I'll do is call me or come in and say, you know, I think I'm having trouble, and give me the opportunity to give my opinion about that. Whereas these people may not have had a good uh, relationship or good communication with their health care provider. So I think communication, A, what their initial level is, and they do did remember that, B, what their goal is, see the importance of the statin in terms of long-term protection, as you indicated, uh, longevity and, and reducing the cardiovascular events. Of interest, the, the, the uh, patients who were least likely to stop were those who had pre-existing disease. And I think that's been our, all of our experiences. Uh, that is that those who've had a heart attack or have had bypass surgery or angioplasty are um, most eager and um, much more uh, compliant than those who um, are would be in the primary prevention category. Um, so this is what we want to prevent, and I think we need, we physicians, we need to do a better job at trying to indicate to patients what the goals are, why they should be taking therapy, to report any problems to them immediately. Generic use, I think, will help to reduce the cost burden that some of these patients clearly have. And I think uh, with those things in mind, we can do a better job. Well, thank you very much, Jerry, for your uh, explanation of what I think is very interesting data and something that we can all use to develop strategies for better treatment in the future through the National Lipid Association as well as through all of our practices. So I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jerome Cohen, who is an emeritus professor of internal medicine at St. Louis University School of Medicine and director of preventative cardiology at the St. Louis University Health Sciences Center. Thank you very much, Jerry, for taking time to talk with us. You're welcome. I might add, if you're interested in seeing the survey, it's, it's um, on the National Lipid Association website at lipid.org. Great. Thank you. And I'm Dr. Alan Brown. You've been listening to Lipid Illumination, sponsored by the National Lipid Association on ReachMD. Please be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. Thank you very much for listening.